Las Vegas, famous, fabulous playground of the West. A wide open town that never goes to sleep. Vegas! Vegas, baby, Vegas! You're either in or you're out. Right now. My best mates are going to Las Vegas this weekend. I'm told it's incredible. Las Vegas, here we go! Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps with Stephen Maggi. We always enjoy talking to the National Geographic when they dive into a particular topic. It's always complete and they look at every side and today's topic is fascinating. With me today is Caroline Alexander. She's a contributing writer for National Geographic magazine, the author of best-selling books, The Endurance, Shackleton's Legendary Antarctic Expedition, and The Bounty. She's written a number of documentary films, most recently Tiger, Tiger, and her new translation of Homer's Iliad will be published this year by Echo Press. Caroline, today is talking about a thing called shell shock. You might remember that from World War I. Apparently, that's kind of had a reemergence in terms of military conversation. What exactly is shell shock, Caroline? Well, it's, um, it was, it's now the signature injury of, of two major conflicts, um, to put it in sort of perspective. It, the term first appeared in World War I to describe a condition that seemed to be affecting the brains of soldiers through the explosive force of shells. So in the early years of World War I, there was a consensus that the shock of the explosion in some misunderstood, unclear, mysterious way was physically impacting the brains of soldiers, leading to such symptoms as confusion, cognition problems, motor disorders, irritability, mood changes, and so forth. Then, as the war went on, people said, you know, none of these soldiers or many of these soldiers don't have any visible physical wound. Therefore, the problem must be psychological. It's not a physical wound. It's it's, uh, neurasthenia was the term at that time. And at the end of the war, that's where the situation pretty much was left. And in the intervening century, nearly, very little work was done to follow up with any investigation about the possible physical effects of blast force on the human brain. And when the campaigns in Iraq began and and later in Afghanistan, by a quirk of history, a kind of tragic irony of history, the signature mechanism of damage in those recent campaigns was explosive force, as it had been in World War I. In, in modern times, this is caused mostly by exposure to improvised explosive devices and also rocket-fired grenades, but the bottom line is that it's explosive blast force. And so suddenly, out of the mist of time, the old condition seemed to be reemerging, and we now call it... Um, got a variety of tags. It's not referred to as shell shock. The most clinical term is blast-induced neurotrauma, um, and this is sudden, sometimes sort of abbreviated as traumatic brain injury or TBI, which is the term probably most listeners will be familiar with from the uh, general media. 
Well, this is fascinating. And, you know, I know, even myself, just if somebody lets off an, an M80, which is basically just a quarter stick of dynamite, you know what that feels like. It cuts through you. It isn't just like a firecracker. And yeah. it, these, these loud explosions, I can't imagine that. So it actually sends off things in the brain and goes through your entire body. Is that right? That's the, the observation that it goes through your, your entire body is a very good one. Um, there are a number of theories that are, first of all, we do not know how blast force damages the brain at this exact moment in time. Um, the, my story follows a number of research approaches, and you'll see from the wide array of approaches just sort of how wide open this field um, actually is. But most of the studies have focused very specifically on the head, on the skull. But one of the studies um, focuses on full body, the effects of full body impact. And I suspect that might be going um, in the right direction. And anybody who's been close to a blast of any significant force tells you that the signature, that the telltale um, recognition of that is this thump that you feel on your chest. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't really matter how far away you are from it. As, as one blast specialist said, uh, you know, you can be a mile away and you still feel that thump. And what this researcher in Canada, Dr. Iboya Chernak, is investigating um, is that that force on the body, that force hitting you full on your chest is transferring the kinetic energy, energy from the blast into your vasculature. And that would lead to a surge in pressure, which would culminate in the brain. So I want to caution, these are all working theories. Right now, sort of many cards are on the table. But that's certainly a leading um, contender for, for solving this mystery. It's incredible. And, of course, the soldiers have, are the ones that really have to deal with this on a constant basis. What about areas, you know, and again, I realize and I want to ask you a little bit about this, that this wasn't as big an effect uh, in other wars. But, you know, when, when a citizenry gets bombed and they get bombed over and over, do these same, uh, these same effects hit these people, too, that are, you know, hiding and so forth? It, it, the answer is it must. It simply must. Um, I've asked about this, and the problem is there's just no way to study this problem in an active war zone. We're having enough problem even getting a handle on what's happening to returning veterans who we can, you know, bring safely into VA centers and, and sort of, you know, examine patiently one by one. But even that has... It, it's been a strong, uh, you know, a very steep learning curve from the early years of the campaign in Iraq till right about now. And I found in the course of um, doing interviews like I'm doing with you that many people are still not really aware that this, um, you know, that blast force that doesn't knock you out, doesn't knock you down, can be damaging. Yeah. So imagine in a civilian situation where you have sort of no control, no ability to kind of bring people in and screen them one by one, um, the, but, but common sense and, and neurologists have told me, of course, it, it has to have an effect. In the sort of case studies that have some data would be the Blitz in London during the Second World War, where there was certainly a recognition that civilians could be shell-shocked. Um, not a lot of studying done, mostly just anecdotal observations. In modern times, probably the most extensive 
studies have been done um, in Israel on the um, bus bomb phenomena, mm-hmm. you know, when terrorists set off these bombs and civilian buses, and they've, the Israelis have been sort of very good at trying to figure out what was going on afterwards with bystanders. But, but you're absolutely right. I mean, these um, when you think of the air bombing of Libya recently, um, just dropping, uh, you know, a lot of ordnance, and it was not striking civilians, it was steering clear of them, but anybody in the proximity must have been affected. But do you think there's been this kind of lag in this? Because, uh, you know, I, I think back to General Patton slapping a soldier, it just yeah. was one of those things that you shouldn't do, you, you know, man up, I guess. It's, um, I think that there are a number of things going on. I think the first is that the overlap of symptoms of traumatic brain injury or blast-induced traumatic brain injury with symptoms of PTSD has been very much um, a confusion and um, slowed recognition of, the, of TBI. And you think how long it took to bring the sort of general population up to speed with even understanding that the term PTSD was not shameful. I mean, this has very much happened in the wake of the Vietnam War, but it really took a generation almost to, for people to use that term without any stigma. And so I think the same thing is going to have to happen here, that we've almost become so familiar with the concept of PTSD that that's the easiest term and label to apply to this new condition. And I speak to people all the time even who've read the story (laughs) that I wrote, and they'll lead off with PTSD. And I have to say, you know, this is not PTSD. This is something different. It appears to be physical damage. But I think that the notion of of brain injury is a a very scary term, and there's a resistance to to embracing that very, you know, understandably. But I think that... um, Certainly, part of the the, the, mis, the the astonishing fact to me is that the signature injury of one of the most catastrophic military conflicts in human history, which was World War One, would just evaporate in the wake of that war. It astonishes me that there's this kind of century of absence of real, active, energized research, and then suddenly, lo and behold, it appears again. And one of the reasons, really, I wrote the story was with the World War One shell shock veterans in mind. Yeah. Through some of my lifetime, there were still veterans of the First World War with shell shock in old age, hidden away somewhere, and nobody ever thought of them. They were out of sight and utterly out of mind. And we have a, humans have a history of kind of wrapping up the last conflict, you know, and pushing it aside. And I would be very concerned that as neurological symptoms might, may develop over the years in decades to come, that the veterans of the present conflicts or the recent conflicts, uh, you know, not be forgotten. And that somehow now that the subject is in plain sight and we're focused on it, that that, that we start taking measures to ensure that at any point in their life, um, you know, they're informed and can walk in and maybe there'll be better treatments down the line in decades to come. Well, as I went through your story, it kind of hit me too. This kind of goes along as a parallel to what we see in 
all of society in regards to mental disorders, that kind of thing, that people didn't, you know, they hit it. They put it in things like depression and so forth. And now we're finally examining these things as the medical issues that they are. Yes. And, and the thing that, um, I mean, some, there, in terms of treatment right now, there is no cure or treatment for blast-induced traumatic brain injury. And so all one can do is offer a management system for the various symptoms, for sleep disorders, for cognition disorders, for speech disorders. You'd, you'd have an, a kind of array of approaches to address each condition, each symptom. But some people say, you know, it doesn't matter what the root cause is. If, if all we're doing is treating the symptoms, then whether this is a psychological disorder or physiological disorder doesn't really matter. So that's one extreme view of, of how to proceed. The other view is, you know what, it matters very, very much. And what we're talking about, whether psychological or physiological, the origin of all those conditions is the brain, is the physical living brain. And therefore, you know, we have to, uh, I think in years to come, there may be clarification and that some of the so-called psychological attributes are recognized as being directly related to physiological damage. Well, I know some people even contacted me. I was talking to a few folks about the National Geographic's uh, look at this, and they say, well, it's an anti-war thing or a political statement. And as I go through it, it's not that at all. It's like, here's this, if anything, I, I took it as more of a tribute to veterans, sort of that we've got to, fit, we've got to deal with this because this is part of what's going on right now. I, I, I must, I, you know, you, you've just informed me of something. I, I suspected that there would be this take. Um, but I haven't yet encountered it personally. I took great pains to address only the science of the story and not go into anything to do with the policy or politics of the actual campaigns. To me, this is, you know, we, let's just focus on the facts and see where we can go from there. On a wider uh, platform, you know, when you read my byline or biography, you mentioned that I had you know, have a new translation of the Iliad coming out. The Iliad is the first <laughs> text in Western literature about war. Um, it's, it's only about war. And its date is 750 B.C. And I regard, you know, in sort of as a historian, there's a um, sort of famous case study that uh, a historian sort of did calculations and said you can choose any... Um, hundred-year period of history over the last 5,000 years. And in that hundred years, 90-something years will have major conflicts going on in some place in the globe. And I believe that, as tragic as it is, the impulse for warfare is just hardwired into our DNA. Um, history certainly suggests that so. So to be I, I think it's tragic. I think conflicts should be avoided, but I think somehow they never are. And so, um, you know, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't, this, this story is not <laughs> yeah. raging against the campaign we did. It's just kind of acknowledging that damage was done and how do we address it. And this will, by the way, you know, explosives are very cheap and very effective to use. They're the perfect mechanism of damage in the hands of guerrilla insurgents or, or terrorists. So this is absolutely not going to go away. 
and we need to figure out what's going on so that in the inevitable conflicts to come, we'll have a handle on the treatment. Absolutely. It's a fantastic and really necessary article. That's why I love dealing with the National Geographic, because I think they look at every angle of it. It's a great read. It's uh, The Invisible War on the Brain. You can see it at nationalgeographic.com. Caroline, is there some place we can find out what you're writing and so forth and what you're doing? Um, I'm old-fashioned enough not to have a website, <laughs> um, but um, if you uh, you read some of my works on, on online, and I'm sure these days Google would come up with other things, I did write a story on shell shock for Smithsonian Magazine some years ago, which is what led me into this subject, and so you would find the shock of war um, on the Smithsonian website, and... Um, my translation of the Iliad will be published this year um, in November. Yeah, and we can just uh, Google the name Caroline Alexander, and you can see all the books she's written and uh, what, what you're writing about. Thanks so much for being with us today, Caroline. Really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Please follow Vegas Never Sleeps on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks for listening. Today, this is Stephen Maggi reminding you, Vegas Never Sleeps. Vegas, here we go! Would you like to hear better for as little as 10 cents a day? Now you can with the all-new Audion hearing aids. The average hearing aid lasts about three years. Ours at only $99 a pair means you're paying as little as 10 cents a day to hear better. And to make things even better, we'll give you a 45-day money-back guarantee. Skip the doctor and get hearing aids delivered straight to your door. We've eliminated all the middlemen to offer you a factory direct price of only $99 a pair. Join over 300,000 people just like you who took advantage of our 45-day trial offer. Now you can hear better, too, for just 10 cents a day. Call now and order your $99 pair of Audion hearing aids with a 45-day money-back guarantee. Plus, get free 3- to 5-day shipping. 800-402-7914. 800-402-7914. That's 800-402-7914. Attention timeshare owners, call the timeshare exit hotline now. We can help you legally get out of your expensive timeshare contract. If you're fed up with the maintenance fees, learn how you can terminate your timeshare legally and permanently. Call right now for your free consultation, 800-803-5449, Now you can get generic Viagra shipped to your door for about $2 a pill. Get the same impact for less. Call Steel Man Pills now and get the same blue pill for about $2 a pill. Call now for the 50-pill special and save even more. Plus, get a free bonus. 800-870-3609. 800-870-3609. 800-870-3609. That's 800-870-3609. 
Holy Gentle Giants Dog Food Batman. I'm Burt Ward, Robin from the Batman TV series. I was the Caped Crusader, and now I'm the Canine Crusader. After rescuing and feeding 15,500 dogs for 23 years, my wife and I created a natural, low-fat, heart-healthy, made-in-America dog food and special feeding and care program designed to help all dogs live amazingly longer, healthier, happier lives. Our dogs are living as long as 27 healthy, active years. Yours can too. That's twice their normal lifespan and triple for some breeds. Would you like your dog to live as long as 27 years and still be active and healthy? Gentle Giants Dog Food is complete nutrition for all dogs and puppies, all ages and sizes, and is different from other dog foods without the greasy coating and high fat content that can shorten your dog's life. Try our Gentle Giants life-enhancing dog food for the longer, healthier, happier life of your dog.